Section 2 of The Adventures of Paddy Beaver. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Leader. The Adventures of Paddy Beaver by Thornton W. Burgess. Chapter 5 Paddy Keeps His Promise. Paddy the Beaver kept right on working just as if he hadn't any visitors. You see, it is a big undertaking to build a dam, and when that was done, there was a house to build and a supply of food for the winter to cut and store. Oh, Paddy the Beaver had no time for idle gossip, you may be sure, so he kept right on building his dam. It didn't look much like a dam at first, and some of Paddy's visitors turned up their noses when they first saw it. They had heard stories of what a wonderful dam-builder Paddy was, and they had expected to see something like the smooth, grass-covered bank with which Farmer Brown kept the big river from running back on his lowlands. Instead, all they saw was a great pile of poles and sticks, which looked like anything but a dam. Pooh! exclaimed Billy Mink. I guess we needn't worry about the laughing brook and the smiling pool, if that is the best Paddy can do. Why, the water of the laughing brook will work through that in no time. Of course Paddy heard him, but he said nothing, just kept right on working. Just look at the way he has laid those sticks, continued Billy Mink. Seems as if anyone would know enough to lay them across the laughing brook instead of just the other way. I could build a better dam than that. Paddy said nothing. He just kept right on working. Yes, sir, Billy boasted. I could build a better dam than that. Why, that pile of sticks will never stop the water. Is something the matter with your eyesight, Billy Mink? inquired Jerry Muskrat. Of course not, retorted Billy indignantly. Why? Oh, nothing much. Only you don't seem to notice that already the Laughing Brook is over its banks above Paddy's dam replied Jerry, who had been studying the dam with a great deal of interest. Billy looked a wee bit foolish, for sure enough there was a little pool just above the dam, and it was growing bigger. Paddy still kept at work, saying nothing. He was digging in front of the dam now, and the mud and grass he dug up, he stuffed in between the ends of the sticks and patted down with his hands. He did this all along the front of the dam and on top of it, too, wherever he thought it was needed. Of course, this made it harder for the water to work through, and the little pond above the dam began to grow faster. It wasn't a great while before it was nearly to the top of the dam, which at first was very low. Then Paddy brought more sticks. This was easier now, because he could float them down from where he was cutting. He would put them in place on the top of the dam, then hurry for more. Wherever it was needed, he would put in mud. He even rolled a few stones in to help hold the mass. So the dam grew and grew, and so did the pond above the dam. Of course, it took a good many days to build so big a dam, and a lot of hard work. Every morning the little people of the green forest and the green meadows would visit it, and every morning they would find that it had grown a great deal in the night, for that is when Paddy likes best to work. By this time the laughing brook had stopped laughing, and down in the smiling pool there was hardly water enough for the minnows to feel safe a minute. 
Billy Mink had stopped making fun of the dam, and all the little people who lived in the Laughing Brook and the Smiling Pool were terribly worried. To be sure, Paddy had warned them of what he was going to do, and had promised that just as soon as his pond was big enough, the water would once more run in the Laughing Brook. They tried to believe him, but they couldn't help having just a wee bit of fear that he might not be wholly honest. You see, they didn't know him, for he was a stranger. Jerry Muskrat was the only one who seemed absolutely sure that everything would be all right. Perhaps that was because Paddy is his cousin, and Jerry couldn't help but feel proud of such a big cousin and one who was so smart. So, day by day, the dam grew, and the pond grew. And then one morning, Grandfather Frog, down in what had once been the Smiling Pool, heard a sound that made his heart jump for joy. It was a murmur that kept growing and growing, until at last it was the merry laugh of the Laughing Brook. Then he knew that Paddy had kept his word, and water would once more fill the Smiling Pool. End of Chapter 5 Chapter 6 Farmer Brown's boy grows curious. Now it happened that the very day before Paddy the Beaver decided that his pond was big enough, and so allowed the water to run in the Laughing Brook once more, Farmer Brown's boy took it into his head to go fishing in the Smiling Pool. Just as usual, he went whistling down across the green meadows. Somehow, when he goes fishing, he always feels like whistling. Grandfather Frog heard him coming and dived into the little bit of water remaining in the smiling pool and stirred up the mud at the bottom so that Farmer Brown's boy shouldn't see him. Nearer and nearer drew the whistle. Suddenly it stopped right short off. Farmer Brown's boy had come in sight of the smiling pool, or rather, it was what used to be the smiling pool. Now there wasn't any smiling pool, for the very little pool left was too small and sickly-looking to smile. There were great banks of mud, out of which grew the bulrushes. The lily-pads were forlornly stretched out towards the tiny pool of water remaining. Where the banks were steep and high, the holes that Jerry Muskrat and Billy Mink knew so well were plain to see. Over at one side stood Jerry Muskrat's house wholly out of water. Somehow it seemed to Farmer Brown's boy that he must be dreaming. He never, never had seen anything like this before, not even in the very driest weather of the hottest part of the summer. He looked this way and looked that way. The green meadows looked just as usual. The green forest looked just as usual. The laughing brook, ha! What was the matter with the Laughing Brook? He couldn't hear it, and that, you know, was very unusual. He dropped his rod and ran over to the Laughing Brook. There wasn't any brook. No, sir, there wasn't any brook. Just pools of water with the tiniest of streams trickling between. Big stones over which he had always seen the water running in the prettiest of little white falls were bare and dry. And the little pools frightened minnows were darting about. Farmer Brown's boy scratched his head in a puzzled way. "'I don't understand it,' said he. "'I don't understand it at all. Something must have gone wrong with the springs that supply the water for the Laughing Brook. They must have failed. Yes, sir, that is just what must have happened. 
But I never heard of such a thing happening before, and I really don't see how it could happen. He stared up into the green forest just as if he thought he could see those springs. Of course, he didn't think anything of the kind. He was just turning it all over in his mind. I know what I'll do. I'll go up to those springs this afternoon and find out what the trouble is, he said out loud. They are way over almost on the other side of the green forest, and the easiest way to get there will be to start from home and cut across the old pasture up to the edge of the mountain behind the green forest. If I try to follow up the laughing brook now, it will take too long, because it winds and twists so. Besides, it is too hard work. With that, Farmer Brown's boy went back and picked up his rod. Then he started for home across the green meadows, and for once he wasn't whistling. You see, he was too busy thinking. In fact, he was so busy thinking that he didn't see Jimmy Skunk until he almost stepped on him, and then he gave a frightened jump and ran, for without a gun he was just as much afraid of Jimmy as Jimmy was of him when he did have a gun. Jimmy just grinned and went on about his business. It always tickles Jimmy to see people run away from him, especially people so much bigger than himself. They look so silly. I should think that they would have learned by this time that if they don't bother me, I won't bother them, he muttered as he rolled over a stone to look for fat beetles. Somehow, folks never seem to understand me. End of chapter 6 Chapter 7 Farmer Brown's Boy Gets Another Surprise Across the old pasture to the foot of the mountain back of the green forest tramped Farmer Brown's boy. Ahead of him trotted Bowser the Hound, sniffing and snuffing for the tracks of Reddy or Granny Fox. Of course he didn't find them, for Reddy and Granny hadn't been up in the old pasture for a long time. But he did find old Jed Thumper, the big gray rabbit who had made things so uncomfortable for Peter Rabbit once upon a time, and gave him such a fright that old Jed didn't look where he was going and almost ran head first into Farmer Brown's boy. <laughs> Hi there, you old cottontail, yelled Farmer Brown's boy, and this frightened old Jed still more so that he actually ran right past his own castle of bullbriars without seeing it. Farmer Brown's boy kept on his way, laughing at the fright of old Jed Thumper. Presently he reached the springs from which came the water that made the very beginning of the Laughing Brook. He expected to find them dry, for way down on the green meadows the Smiling Pool was nearly dry, and the Laughing Brook was nearly dry, and he supposed that, of course, the reason was that the springs where the Laughing Brook started were no longer bubbling. But they were! The clear cold water came bubbling up out of the ground just as it always had, and ran off down into the green forest in a little stream that would grow and grow as it ran and became the Laughing Brook. Farmer Brown's boy took off his ragged old straw hat and scowled down at the bubbling water, just as if he thought it had no business to be bubbling there. Of course, he didn't think just that. The fact is, he didn't know just what he did think. Here were the springs bubbling away, just as they always had. There was a little stream starting off down into the green forest with a gurgle that by and by would become a laugh, just as it always had. And yet, down on the green meadows, on the other side of the green forest, 
there was no longer a laughing brook or a smiling pool. He felt as if he ought to pinch himself to make sure that he was awake and not dreaming. "'I don't know what it means,' he said, talking out loud. "'No, sir, I don't know what it means at all, but I'm going to find out. There's a cause for everything in this world, and when a fellow doesn't know a thing, it is his business to find out all about it. I'm going to find out what has happened to the Laughing Brook if it takes me a year.' With that he started to follow the little stream which ran gurgling down into the green forest. He had followed that little stream more than once, and now he found it just as he remembered it. The farther it ran, the larger it grew, until at last it became the laughing brook, merrily tumbling over rocks and making deep pools in which the trout loved to hide. At last he came to the edge of a little open hollow in the very heart of the green forest, he knew what splendid deep holes there were in the Laughing Brook here, and how the big trout loved to lie in them because they were deep and cool. He was thinking of these trout now, and wishing that he had brought along his fishing rod. He pushed his way through a thicket of alders, and then Farmer Brown's boy stopped suddenly and fairly gasped. He had to stop because there, right in front of him, was a pond. He rubbed his eyes and looked again. Then he stooped down and put his hand in the water to see if it was real. Well, there was no doubt about it. It was real water, a real pond where there never had been a pond before. It was very still there in the heart of the green forest. It was always very still there, but it seemed stiller than usual as he tramped around the edge of this strange pond. He felt as if it were all a dream. He wondered if pretty soon he wouldn't wake up and find it all untrue. But he didn't, and so he kept on tramping until presently he came to a dam. A splendid dam of logs and sticks and mud. Over the top of it the water was running, and down in the green forest below he could hear the laughing brook just beginning to laugh once more. Farmer Brown's boy sat down with his elbows on his knees and his chin in his hands. He was almost too much surprised to even think. End of chapter 7 and end of section 2. Recording by John Leader, Bloomington, Illinois.